0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading we heard in the Gospel of John. You may be seated. Begin with the word of prayer. Almighty God, in your mercy, you have gathered us here to the feast, to receive the very body and blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, and to nourish us with your word. Lord, today we pray that you would give us great hope and confidence in your promises, that we would be sustained into everlasting life. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. It is weird to me how very few of you uh, ask me to talk more about the Lord of the Rings in my sermons. And yet how I still feel it necessary to continue to remind you how wonderful the books and the movies actually are. Uh, In fact, if you've seen the movies, you will recall this wonderful scene that kind of starts all the movies off. There's a great celebration being planned in the Shire, where all of the little hobbits live. Uh, It's a birthday party for one Bilbo Baggins. Bilbo Baggins is celebrating his 111st birthday, and everybody is very excited about this. But they're especially excited because one of the uh, guests who has been invited to the party. And that is one Gandalf the wizard. Now everybody's excited for Gandalf to be there because when Gandalf shows up to a party, fun ensues. Uh, Especially because he brings all kinds of party favors, especially fireworks. He brings fireworks displays that you cannot even imagine. And so everybody is anticipating his arrival so they can enjoy this party with his wonderful fireworks. Well, the scene begins with with Gandalf coming in here on his cart. And as he's coming into the town, all the little kids show up. And the kids start pleading with him to do a magic trick, to do something fun, to do something exciting. to Show off maybe a firework or two. And he says no. And he dismisses them. He sends them off. After all, it's too early. The party's not here yet. The thing hasn't started. It's not time yet for the party. So they're just going to have to wait. And so he sends those children off, and they are very sad. Their faces look all crestfallen. But then as he's rolling away, he kind of gets a smirk on his face. And he kind of does a little magical whatever. And suddenly out of the back of his cart, a bunch of fireworks shoot out for the kids to see. And they're completely delighted in this because, you see, Gandalf, he just couldn't wait. He couldn't wait to bring some fun in. He couldn't wait to give them at least just a glimpse of a party. He couldn't help himself. But he wanted the fun to break in, you know, just a little bit early. I wonder if that illustration doesn't help us at least a little bit today try and understand or figure out what Jesus is actually doing at the wedding at Canaan. Here we come to this wedding, and it's the first sign Jesus performs uh, in his ministry. And it's sort of a strange sign, it's not like a miracle where he walks on water or calms storms or heals anybody. He's at a party that has ran out of alcohol and decides he's going to replenish that. Kind of a a strange sign indeed. But if we want to understand this sign, we need to think a little bit more deeply about the situation. Now they're at a wedding, and as Rachel mentioned in the children's message here, uh, these weddings typically ran for a whole week in those days. It wasn't just a day party, but like an entire week long. And Uh, It was the responsibility of the host, the one throwing the party, to make sure everybody there was well-fed and well-nourished and they had drinks uh, for the entire week, so that if you were to run out of food or if you were to run out of wine, it would bring great shame upon the host. That host would look very bad and his reputation would be ruined and it would seem as if he didn't care about the guests who arrived. And so this was going to be a great deal of shame upon this household. So to come to the rescue of this particular host, Mary comes. Now Mary's at the party with Jesus and Jesus' disciples. Apparently, you bring Jesus' disciples to the party, you need to bring a little bit more wine. Well, anyhow, uh, Mary shows up there and she comes to Jesus and she says, Listen, they have no wine. And Jesus says to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. And with those words, Jesus takes this sort of seemingly innocuous conversation, this sort of like just normal mundane discussion, and he makes it far more profound. Takes this mundane discussion and turns it into a sermon on salvation. I mean, it sounds so plain. It's like a mother asking her son, hey, can you run down to Ralph's? And grab a few other boxes of wine, and we can just imagine any son we've ever seen rolling his eyes saying, No, I'm busy with my friends right now. But that's not what's happening here at all. John is actually using this conversation at the wedding to bring us uh, not into, like, not to give us a glimpse of the relationship between Mary and Jesus, but to draw us into something bigger. We must remember we are in John's gospel now. And in John's gospel, every conversation, every word, every encounter, every event around Jesus. Is, is, is layered upon layer, has, uh, excuse me, has layer upon layer of meaning and importance. So, this simple conversation about wine running out is actually now drawing us into the history of God's salvation for his people and Jesus' saving work and what he's come to do. With these words, Jesus shows us that his hour, the hour the entire scriptures has been waiting for, is arriving. But it's not here quite yet. And Mary ceases just to be a mother who's asking Jesus to go do her a favor, but rather now Mary stands for all of Israel, for all of God's people. And her lack of and the, her comment about the lack of wine becomes a cry of lament. Things aren't right. There's shame on this place, and we need help. And you're the one who can do it. So this is what Mary cries. Mary is at a wedding. Jesus is at a wedding. A wedding that should be a time of celebration, a time of joy, a time of hope and anticipation and excitement. This wedding is kind of like the way our world is supposed to work. Much like this wedding feast, our world was created for joy, meant for pleasure, designed in love and kindness, to be worked with our hands and delighted in by our hearts. Listen to the way the psalmist describes the way the creation is supposed to work. This is what he says. He says to God, you cause grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he might bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. That's the way it's supposed to work. But we recognize that this wine that is to gladden the heart of mankind has run out. The bread of strength is gone, as our resolve grows weaker. The wine of of gladness is dried up, as sin parches our lips and kills our vineyard. We are created for joy, but our lives are haunted by death. We are given to love, but we only take and are stolen from in selfishness. We live in a world that should be full of celebration and rejoicing, but instead is marked by sin, sorrow, pain, and death. The mountains should be. Filled with wine and with mirth. As we look around, we recognize the truth. We have no wine. It doesn't mean we are without hope. After all, the entire Old Testament is written anticipating a day when the mountains will once again flow with wine. Anticipating a day when the joy is restored and creation is made right again. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah said. He says this. On this mountain... The Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain that which is cast over all people, that veil that spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. Well, Isaiah preaches that message. And then all Israel begins to desire this day, to long for this day. Israel would cry out to God, come Lord and make this day arrive. And we are along with them. For we know what it means to wait for the resurrection. We know what it means to wait for this joy and to be restored. We know what it means to wait in the midst of a world full of sin and shame. And so with Mary, we come to Jesus today in our prayers to remind him that we've run out of wine. He's the one who can restore. Now notice how Jesus responds today. He doesn't doesn't merely dismiss the request of Mary. He doesn't just send her off. But he says, my hour has not yet come is another way of saying, I am going to accomplish these things. I am going to establish this feast. I will create the celebration where death is gone and sorrow is forgotten. I will remove sin and death forever, says Jesus. But not at this party. Not yet. My hour has not yet come. But then notice what he does at this point, then, that though his hour has not yet come, he's kind of like Gandalf in the cart. He cannot sort of help himself. He cannot really, he's so excited about this, he can't prevent himself from letting at least a little bit of the party sneak in ahead of time. So what does he do? He tells a bunch of the servants there to get him six stone jars. These are 20 to 30 gallon stone jars. And to fill them to the brim with water then he tells them to take from that water and give it to the master of the feast and the guy then does it he takes it and he gives it to the master of the feast and somewhere along the way the water in these jars has suddenly become wine and not just any wine the best wine you can possibly imagine and gallons of it an abundance of it and now notice how jesus changes the entire account story the entire narrative for the host of the feast and for the bridegroom they were sitting there worried about shame coming upon them and now their shame has turned into joy jesus has brought to that wedding feast that was marked by shame and fear a foretaste of the feast to come the wine of christ from we might say isaiah's heavenly vineyard is poured out for all the guests sorrow is overcome by joy shame is replaced with laughter And wine once again gladdens the heart of all the guests at the wedding. Here are Gandalf's fireworks going off ahead of time. But it still is ahead of time. The time has not yet come. For before the full gladness can arrive at the entire creation, Jesus has much sorrow that he is going to endure. Before Christ will throw his party, he must deal with sin that has ruined his creation. Before he pours the wine, he must pour out his blood. So that the next time we see Jesus having a conversation with his mother in John's gospel, it is when he is hanging on a cross, dying for her sins. Dying for the sins of the world. Dying for your sins. That was his time. That was the hour for which he had come. But it was through that death that we enter into life. You see, that death was necessary. It is from that cross that we will ultimately find our way to glory. It is from the sacrifice that you arrive at the great gift that removes all of your sorrow, the forgiveness of your sins. And it is from the veins that he pours out the blood that cleanses you and prepares you for the feast that is to come. We find Jesus dying on that cross for the salvation of the world. We also know that there's a day to come after that, the third day. I don't know if you caught that in the, in the reading from the gospel today, but Jesus arrives at the wedding feast. He's there on the third day. Just as on the third day after his sacrifice, he would arise, and begin the work for the new feast. And that's what we allow long. That's the day we wait. But as we long and wait for that day, Jesus does not leave us any longer without wine. He does not leave you without joy. For today as you come to the altar, you gather here and receive a foretaste of the feast that is to come when you eat his body and you drink his blood and the bread and the wine that comes to you in abundance. You will notice the wine has never run out here for you. We join the wedding celebration as we sing together songs of mirth and joy in this sanctuary as we are gathered here with all the guests to rejoice in the gifts that Christ has given to us. And we laugh with delight at the wedding speech that Jesus speaks over us, calling you his beloved bride, who he gathers to himself today, so that you are made ready for a seat at his table forever. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. My God, we give you thanks that on this day we gather here for a foretaste of the feast. to come. And we pray now, Lord, that you would guide us through our lives and fill us with hope and anticipation and certainty in your promises. That though we live in a world full of sin and sorrow, shame and death, you have overcome all of it by your dying and your rising. Now, Lord, make us ready for the great eternal feast where we dwell in your presence forever. In Jesus' name we pray.